continuing in our series in Galatians. So we're in Galatians 4, verses 1 to 7. It's going to come up on the screen. Um, if you haven't got a Bible with you, I think on the end of some of the rows, there's these Bibles. Those on the end, maybe, if you put your hand up and they will deliver a Bible to you. It's on page 1170. Maybe turn, tap, swipe to your Bibles. Okay. So Galatians 4, 1 to 7. What I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we are underage, we were in slavery under the elemental uh, spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also, sorry, God has made you also an heir. Amen. Okay, so for those of you that don't know, I've got three kids. And a few years ago, we were in Lidl shopping. And my youngest was three at the time. And she was with me next to the trolley. Then she was in front of me. Then she was behind me, and then she was gone. And we were calling a name, shouting out. The family spread out over Lidl. What is it, three aisles, something? It's not very big, is it, Lidl? Uh, and we were looking for hope, shouting out a name. And after a minute or two, when there was no response, then the customers who were shopping stopped what they were doing and started calling out her name and looking for her. And after a few minutes after that, the shop assistants stopped stacking the shelves and they started looking for her, calling out her name. Actually, one of them went into the car park with my dad and started kind of peering through the windscreens because they feared the worst had happened. And it must have been about five or six minutes later when we heard this cheeky little voice laughing, going, here I am. And uh, what had transpired was she had climbed into this big fr empty fruit crate. And she was laying like that. And she thought it was hilarious that the whole shop was calling her name and looking for her. And at that point, she thought, I'm just going to sit up and let them all know I'm here. So here I am. I'm here. And in that moment, I should have been absolutely jolly furious with her because she put me through hell. Six minutes of hell. But actually, all I could do was throw my arms around her and tell her over and over and over again how much I loved her. And for all of us this morning, that is a picture of what God does for us. Day after day, hour after hour, minute after minute, it's a picture of his unconditional love. A love that will never leave us, and love that will never reject us, abandon us, walk out on us. It's a love that will always pursue us even when we don't want to be found. It's a love that isn't based on what we achieve, how we behave. God just loves us. He loves us. And when we encounter the Father heart of God, we encounter unconditional love. 
We encounter acceptance. We encounter those everlasting arms that are wrapped so tightly around us. You see, what we do or don't do makes absolutely no difference to God. It doesn't matter. The way he feels about us will not change. And so we don't need to compare ourselves to each other. There's no rivalry in God's kingdom because he loves us all the same. We can't earn his love. We can't stop his love. He just loves us. But as we grow up, when we're born, we crave three things. The three S's. Significance, self-worth and security. And as we grow up, we try and fill those three S's, if you like, little holes, three little holes in our heart, often with all the wrong things. Image, status, financial status, academic achievements, the kind of cars we drive, the houses, our relationships, through maybe our children or our families, the kind of um, careers that we have through sex, drink, through addictions, And as we will know, that those three little hearts are never filled by those things. Because actually, the three little holes that are in our heart, they're God-shaped. And only God can come and bring complete healing to us. Only God can turn how we feel about ourselves upside down and fill our self-worth to overflowing and show us how infinitely valuable we are to him. Only God can do that. And today we're looking at the Father heart of God. And my prayer is that whether you've been a Christian for five minutes, five years, 50 years, 500 years, that you would experience and you would see God as your heavenly Father in a new way, that he would be drawing you closer and closer to himself this morning. And maybe there's some people here that aren't sure if they're Christians or not, or you're definitely sure you're not. My prayer for you is that you would see God, your heavenly Father, standing with his arms wide, wide open, ready to embrace you, ready to give you that everlasting hug. And so we're looking at what does this unconditional love mean? And then how do we respond to that? So firstly, we receive adoption. Verse 5, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. So adoption is a free, no strings attached gift that comes from God that is available to all people groups across the whole of the world. Adoption is God's best plan. It's his plan A. God always intended for his people to become adopted into his family. Since he created the earth, that was God's intention. Being adopted into God's family is at the very heartbeat of our faith. Every single Christian has to be adopted into God's family. And it can't happen through natural descent. We can't say, well, my parents are Christians or my grandparents are Christians. It doesn't work like that. We have to choose to receive this gift from God for ourselves. Adoption is about Jesus dying on the cross for us. God sending his one and only perfect son, spotless, blameless, beautifully clean Jesus, to come to this earth and to die on the cross. Through Jesus dying on the cross, he lifts all of our stuff 
all of our mess, all of our shame, all of our sin, all of the things that we've swept under the carpet, all of the things that we're not proud of. He lifts it off of us and he places it onto himself. I hate taking out the kitchen rubbish. I, abs- I hate r- emptying any rubbish bins, if I'm honest. It's Chuck's job. That's what he does. But our kitchen bin is particularly disgusting. And I don't know if we're the only family that have this, but sometimes it leaks. And so you've got horrible drips, you know, and it's rancid and it's disgusting. Well, it's like us. That bin, that bin bag full of stuff is our lives. And it's like us giving Jesus bin bag after bin bag after bin bag. And Jesus not only takes it from us, but he puts it all onto himself. You see, through his body that was broken and his blood that was shed on the cross, Jesus made a way for us so that we could enter into God's family. Not as children looking in from the outside, you know, outsiders looking in, noses pressed up against the window, but as children of God walking through the front door of God's kingdom. And we get to receive the benefits of being a child of God. And there are so many kingdom benefits, I haven't got time to go into them all, but the most important one is that we get eternal life, which means that when this life ends, we get to spend forever and ever and ever in eternity with God our Father. But also, while we're on this earth, we get to be parented by the best possible parent, the perfect parent, the parent that has never got mad, angry, said things in haste, doesn't have time for us. God, our Father, has never put a foot wrong. He is perfect and he wants to parent us. It's amazing. We've got three kids and um, our middle son Noah loves football. He's mad on it. Absolutely loves football. And as soon as he gets in from school every day, he's gone with his mates playing football and he's got a watch and I tell him the time he has to come back. And he's quite happy with that. And he's always come back at that time, except two weeks ago, where he came back 10 minutes late. And I was in a bit of a panic because it just wasn't like him. And so I was standing at our front door, debating on whether I should put my shoes on and go and find him. When the front door flung open, and there is Noah sobbing, tears streaming down his face, snot kind of all bubbling out of his nose. And he is filthy. He is caked in mud. From his hair is all caked in mud. His face is filthy. His hands are dirty. And he's got that kind of wet mud all over him. His shoes look like he's walked through a mud bath. And I'm standing there and I happen to be wearing probably my nicest jumper. And it happens to be pure white. And I'm standing there and Noah sees me. And what he does is he throws his arms around me and he buries his head into my chest and he starts sobbing even more. So all the snot, all the tears, all the mud is being nicely mingled into my nice white jumper. But not only that, his hands around my back. So I've got handprints, mud prints all over my back. And not only that, I had my hair down and uh, my hair was kind of all in the sleeves of his, where all the mud was. I was caked in mud as well. Now in that moment, did I say to Noah, actually, Noah, can you go and wash your hands? Actually, Noah, do you mind just taking off those clothes 
because they're really dirty. And while you're at it, why don't you have a shower and clean yourself up a bit? And then we can do this later. Of course I didn't. I hugged him as much as he hugged me. You see, no one knows he can come to me whatever state he's in. Whether he's feeling pain or shame, whether he's got questions, whether he's angry or disappointed, whether he just wants a bosey, he can come to me whatever state he's in. And often we think, I'll come to God when I'm less dirty, when my hands aren't so filthy, when my clothes aren't so covered in mud, when I've had that shower and cleaned myself off. I'll come to God when I've got less questions, when that resentment and bitterness in me has died down a bit, when that anger in me is a bit more under control. I'll come to God when that pain doesn't hurt quite so much or when I've got that little um, habit a bit more under control. God, our Father, cares about the one. He loves the one. He pursues the one. He's desperate for the one. Despite our mess, despite the mud, despite the state that we're in, he is always there, spotless and blameless, ready to throw his arms around us, whatever state we're in. And so that means that just like Noah, we can go to God, God our Heavenly Father, no matter what state we're in. My brother and sister-in-law have recently adopted a little girl. And so we've got a new niece in the family, which is so exciting. And when Chuck's non-Christian cousin first heard about what they were doing, that his very first response, the first words out of his mouth were, well, that sounds like a Christian thing to do. And the answer to that is, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because freely, as Christians, we receive our adoption. Freely, we receive all the benefits of being adopted into God's family. We receive the gift of eternal life. Freely, we receive 24-hour, seven-day-a-week access to the most perfect parent, God, our Father, who is always there for us, no matter what state we are in. And so then, freely, we give. And what better way to give than out of the abundance of what we've received? And the heart of spiritual adoption and earthly adoption are the same. And I love that. I love that. You see, God adopted us out of a very bad situation. He adopted us out of brokenness, sinfulness, slavery, and death. Despite our rebellion, our selfishness, our anger, he swept us up and took us into his family. And every day, there's more than 50 children in the UK that are removed from homes and taken into care. They're removed from chaotic, traumatic, neglectful, often abusive, terrible situations. You see, these children are adopted out of horrible circumstances, painful and heartbreaking situations and stories. They're adopted out of hopelessness. They're taken out of fear. They're adopted out of rejection and abandonment. They're adopted out of darkness. You see, adoption is a rescue. 
It's, I am reaching my hand into that pit and I am pulling you out and I am drawing you close to me. And that is where you will stay in this life and the life to come. It's also a covenant. So in earthly terms, the covenant is the legal contract that you will receive after, I think it's maybe six months or so of having that adopted child living with you, you will go to court. And you will have all the legal papers stamped and approved to say that that child is now officially yours. That that child will inherit everything from you as a family. All the good stuff and all the not so good stuff. They have equal rights within that family. And that child will take on the surname of the family and have a forever home with a forever family and forever parents. In spiritual terms, it's a covenant, it's, it's an agreement between two parties, between God and us. So God sets the terms, he makes the offer, and then we get to choose to receive that or not. We get to decide that Jesus died on the cross, he paid the debt, he took all of our sin, we have been forgiven, and there is nothing that we can ever do to add to that or take away to that. And if we choose that, then that means that we become adopted into God's family. It's also about a relationship of promise and love. So earthly adoptions are far more than that legal contract, that legal piece of paper. I guarantee that earthly adoptions, the parents aren't looking at that legal piece of paper every day and reminding themselves that they're a parent. What they're doing is they're looking at that child. They're filling that child with love and promise and hope. It's about the journey that that parent and child will walk down. It's about the welcome that that child will receive every single day of their lives. And so it is for us. When we become adopted into God's family, we receive God's love and acceptance and approval so that we can then walk hand in hand with God our Father just like a little child would walk hand in hand with a parent into an ever-increasing relationship with God our Father. We can walk that road together. You see, God uses adoption to bring about wholeness and healing, both in the spiritual sense and the earthly sense. Adoption is an inclusive outpouring of love and grace that radically changes lives. It brings about hope and freedom and security and purpose. And it gives a future. A future in this life and the life to come. Secondly, he draws us to himself. So we went down to visit um, our new little niece a few months ago. And she'd only been living with Chuck's brother and wife for two weeks and in our minds we were thinking oh she's going to be a little bit reserved you know she's going to be a little bit shy and we couldn't believe it when we went down and we saw the bond that was already being formed between Chuck's brother and our new little niece she was sitting on his lap she was laughing and joking and it was amazing to see you see she had been given a very special gift the gift of a daddy and not only that, but she'd been given the gift of using his name. 
And she did that again and again and again and again. Daddy, daddy this, daddy that, daddy, I need you. Daddy, where are you? No, I need daddy. Silly daddy, naughty daddy. Daddy, can you get me my food? Lift me up there, daddy. No, that's not right, daddy. Daddy, 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 all the time. And it was like every time she said his name, it was bringing a little bit of healing to her heart. And not only that, but you could see the bond between Chuck's brother and his new little daughter coming closer and closer together. It was beautiful. It got us. We will never be the same again from that, I think. It was a life-changing moment when we saw that amazing gift. And do you know what? That's what God does for us. So we can also be like my little niece. We can cry out, Daddy, Daddy. Verse 6 says, Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So when we become adopted into God's family, God sends his Holy Spirit to live in us. The Holy Spirit lives in us and confirms to us that we are God's child. We are children of God and that is sealed in our hearts. And so when we know that, we can experience God, our Father. We can cry out to him, not in a formal, distant way, but in a way that we would with someone that we trust completely. Through the work of the Holy Spirit in us, the Holy Spirit is revealing to us who God, our Heavenly Father, is. He's freeing us up. He's making a way for us so that we can cry out, Abba, Father, God, my Father, Father God, when we use the name of God our Father, just like it was for my little niece, it means that God is close. He's present. He's so easily accessible. So we can call on him whenever we like. And I know that for some of us, the name Father is a painful word for us for all sorts of reasons. For some of us, it'll be because we've never really known who our Father was. Maybe he left when we were young or before we were born. Maybe he died. Maybe for some of us, we don't even know the name of our father or have ever seen a photo. For others of us, we are desperate to call out the name of our earthly fathers, to embrace our earthly fathers, but we can't because the relationship is a formal one. There's no heart there, or at least it feels like there's no heart. It doesn't feel like there's any connection. And so you remain distant. For others of us, we would have grown up in loving homes, but maybe we never heard our father say, I love you, or I'm proud of you. Or maybe get, give us that hug. And for others of us, we would never ever, ever want to call out the name of our earthly father because they were the person that hurt us the most. They were the person that betrayed our trust and abused their position. And it's so easy for us to confuse our earthly fathers with our heavenly father. And many of us are unable to receive God's love and acceptance and all the approval of God because our, um, our, our experiences of our earthly fathers have not been good. 
And so it's kind of trapped us. And so we can't see beyond that to our Heavenly Father. And that is where we need the Spirit. That is where we need the Holy Spirit to come and reveal to us who God our Heavenly Father is. That is where we need the Holy Spirit to come and bring healing to us, to heal those scars and those wounds and those words that were said and those painful memories. It's only through the Holy Spirit that we can cry out to God our Father. You see, it's a supernatural thing that happens. It's the Spirit of God living in us, craving and yearning to be closer to God the Father. It's the Spirit of God that draws us to himself. The Holy Spirit reveals who God the Father is. And during Christmas, Hope and I, we watched the Railway Children. Anyone seen that? Yeah, a few people. It's quite an old film. I wasn't sure if I was going to enjoy it, but actually I really did. And for those of you that don't know what it is, um, there's a family and one day the father is taken away. And the children, there's three kids, they don't know why he's been taken. They're not told. But it turns out that he's been taken by two men and he's been put in prison and he's been accused of being a Russian spy. And the family, because the father's gone to prison, can't afford to stay where they are, so they move to the countryside. They move to a little cottage by a railway line, hence the title, The Railway Children. And most of the film is about the little adventures that the children get up to on and near the railway. But for the eldest daughter, there is a deep sadness and longing for her father throughout the whole film. And she's got lots of questions about where he is, why he's gone, will he ever come back? And towards the end of the film, Roberta, Bobby, she's standing on the track. And because it's set in the olden days, it's an old-fashioned steam train that has just come in. And uh, the passengers are coming, uh, coming out of the carriages, in, disembarking. I think that's a word. Maybe, I made it up. Uh, they're coming off the carriages anyway. And she's looking up the track. And there's a whole heap of steam and fog and smoke because it's that lovely old tray. And as she looks, out from the fog, out from the steam, she sees the outline of her father. And she runs to him. And she cries, Daddy. My daddy. See, the Holy Spirit breaks chains. The Holy Spirit brings about emotional healing. The Holy Spirit reveals who God the Father is to us so that out of the smoke, out of the fog, God, our Father, appears. And we can run to him. Unreservedly, unashamed, completely abandoned, and we can cry, Daddy, my Daddy, God, my Father, Father God. And lastly, he makes us his heirs. So not only do we receive adoption, we become, we're adopted out of brokenness, sinfulness, slavery, death, and we get to enter into the kingdom of God, be part of God's family. If that wasn't radical enough, God, our Heavenly Father, also wants a personal relationship with us. And through the work of the Holy Spirit living in us, 
the Holy Spirit reveals God, our Heavenly Father, to us. So that we can have a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the Creator of heaven and earth, we can also call our Father, my Father. And if that wasn't enough, verse 7 says, So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. He makes us his heirs. An heir is a person who inherits and continues the work. We continue the work of the Father. So we're children of God, adopted into the family of God, and now we get to continue the work of the Father in the spiritual sense and also the earthly sense. An heir is a beneficiary. You see, we benefit from everything that Jesus did on the cross. We've had first-hand experience of this amazing gift of adoption. So then who better to speak about it? Who better to talk about it, to share it with others? You see, adoption is in our DNA. It runs through the very core of who we are as Christians. An heir continues the work of the Father. We continue the family business. So then wouldn't it be strange if we didn't do that? Wouldn't it be odd if we didn't do that? If we decided that we, were, we wouldn't share this amazing news of death to life, from slave to heir, from orphan to child of God? Wouldn't it be weird? You see, there's something that is so revolutionary there is something that is so amazing, so life-changing, that we cannot keep quiet about it. We need to find ways to share it, this amazing gift, the news of this amazing gift, with people that we love, with people that we know, and also with the stranger. The other part of us being an heir, continuing the work of God on earth, in the earthly sense, is this thing that uh, Pete Gregg spoke about. It's a phrase that he used when he came to the big gathering back in November. He was prophesying over our church and he used this phrase time and time again, God sets the lonely in families. And he prophesied over our church and he said this, there is an anointing on us as a church for the word family. It's a key word for us. There is an anointing on us in the realm of family. And he went on to say that he saw a picture of Aberdeen and houses lit up across the city and that God said that there will be houses all across the city and region that are places of hospitality and inclusion and radical family. Not nice, pretty little nuclear families, he said, but places of adoption and fostering. He says, Psalm 68 says, the father sets the lonely in families. That's single mothers, that's children, the elderly. We're to facilitate extraordinary models of family. You see, Aberdeen, this nation and the world is full of field after field after field after field of fatherless men, women and children. Broken, hurting, living in despair, and who have no hope. And as God's heirs, he is calling us to set the lonely in families. 
in a time where more and more adults and babies and children and teenagers and the elderly are feeling pushed out and alienated and isolated. We have an amazing opportunity to carry on the work of the Father, to be the people and to be the church family in which God places the lonely. And for some of us here, that is literally what God is asking us to do. I think the stats are something crazy, like 1,500 children in and around Aberdeen at the moment are currently awaiting to be adopted, to be given the gift of adoption, to be placed in a forever home with a forever family. God is calling us to make a difference in these kids' lives. He's asking us to make a difference so that these kids' lives will be completely transformed. And we've seen a little bit of that in our own family, through our little niece, through my brother and sister-in-law taking a hard-to-place little disabled girl, who they were told after she was adopted that actually, if they hadn't adopted her, the chances were she would have spent the rest of her childhood in care. You see, my little niece, her life has and is and will continue to be transformed. And that is the gospel. That is the gospel. For some of us, God is calling us to foster. Maybe he's already spoken about that. Maybe it's the start of something today. For others of us, God is calling us and has spoken to us about offering respite care to those kids and families who desperately need it. Maybe once a month, once a fortnight, once a week. For others of us, God is asking us to open up our homes, to extend our families, to throw open our arms and to invite people into our homes and into our lives. I love what Emma Thompson says. Emma Thompson is the famous Hollywood actress and... Um, she, she says she's got a brilliant quote about family. She adopted um, her son Tindy back in 2004. And uh, Tindy, uh, his dad died of AIDS and the rest of his family were wiped out in the Rwandan genocide. And when Tindy was 13, he was kidnapped and forced to become a child soldier where he was eventually rescued and he was brought to the UK aged 16 as a refugee. And that is where Emma Thompson and her husband met him, fell in love with him and adopted him. And this is what she says about family. She says, family is about connection. It's not about blood ties. It's, not about, it's about extended family and extending family. So it's not about blood ties. It's about extended family and extending family. You see, this inclusive act of love is for the whole of our church to partake in. Whether we are single, whether we are married, whether we have kids. God is looking for an organic, authentic, radical expression of love, of family, that isn't neat and tidy in a nice little box but it's costly, it's messy, it's radical, 
and it's life transforming. What matters isn't that we live a nice, neat lives, easy lives, that as we get older, life becomes easier and we fulfill all our own personal goals and hopes and ambitions and everything is just so, but rather that we choose to walk down the path of radical, costly, messy, sacrificial, radical love. God is calling us out, church. He's calling us out. He's asking us to stand up and to lead the way in this, to be the people that God places the lonely. Why don't we stand?